Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Arsecast Extra. Hello and welcome to another Arsecast Extra, as always, with James from Gunnerblog. James, good morning to you. Good morning, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm all right. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right, thank good. you. Good. Not too bad. Do you think uh, um, it's too late to record <laughs> a version of the final countdown where instead of countdown, we substitute the word meltdown? I don't, well, I don't know if it is too late. It has been interesting watching that, actually, um, and partaking in it, to be clear. Um, You know, sort of going from, I guess, sort of November, December time, I think collectively, I'm generalising here, but a lot of Mm. us were like, you know, a signing would be nice, wouldn't it? You know, if we can find the right player. We don't want to veer from the strategy, but if we can find the right player Mm. to, you know... uh, where we are now which is kind of as you say pretty close to meltdown as a fan base and and understandably i'm not uh mm. there's no judgment there from me but it has been a, a dramatic um decline shall we say it has been yeah state. i mean we we look it's felt like all month long that we've been preparing for a signing at least mm-hmm. um i should point out you know we're, we're recording this at about 11 o'clock on Monday morning, so it's possible that uh, by this time tomorrow, uh, people might listen back to this and think, well, they were overreacting. They really pulled one out of the, the hat at the last minute there, Arsenal. What was everyone worried about? But, you know, we can only um, react to things um, as they are happening right now. And it doesn't look as if much is going to happen from an Arsenal perspective. And, of course, everybody is concerned because we have a, a particular issue, I think, um, in the squad that needs to be addressed, which is um, up front... Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, yeah, I don't think anything's going to happen today on the incoming front. Um, but the caveat I'll offer is that I really believed that um, the day that Arsenal signed Thomas Partey on transfer deadline day, mm. you know, everybody who you spoke to uh, the night before and the morning and pretty much the early stage of the morning of said, yeah, looks like nothing's happening uh, on the mm. day. You know, we tried. And then a couple of hours after that, I believe it was Charles Watts who broke the story that Arsenal were planning to trigger the release clause. So, 
you know, there is always the possibility that something could change dramatically late on. But I am not convinced it will this mm. time. I have to... Uh, and look, maybe by the time this comes out, I'll be wrong. But that's just, you know, what based on the conversations I've had this weekend, I would, I would let's say I would be surprised yeah. if somebody came in. I too would be very surprised if somebody came in. And, you know, it, it's such a weird situation because we have this whole Aubameyang thing going on as well you know mm -hmm. which is a which is a big part of why we need a striker and it looks like nothing has happened yet but it does look as if he may move to to Barcelona which yeah. is going to be absolutely crazy because he's going to score goals and each one of those goals is going to be like a tiny little dagger in our hearts as we yeah. go, you know what? We could have uh, used a guy like that who who scores goals, and you know, I, 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 you know, the logical part of my brain says there is, or there has to be, a good reason why, maybe not a good reason, but an understandable reason as to why he has been disciplined to the extent to which he has been disciplined, uh, to mm -hmm. the point where there's no coming back from it, and all the rest of it. You know, I know some people like to say, well, this is just Arteta and his ego. And, you know, I don't think any manager hobbles themselves for the sake of their own ego like this for no good reason. On the other hand, you know, the, the, the solution to our problem is sort of there. If yeah. we were able to mend fences, which we're not, and we're going to go around the houses with this one a bit, but it is going to be one of those situations where I think people will look at it and say, well, somebody somebody should have eaten some humble pie. Somebody mm -hmm. should have said, you two, you know that old classic thing where there's two kids fighting and dad comes along and he knocks their heads together and, you know, tells them to just cop on and get get a bit of sense and sort it out and all that. Like, someone should have come along and knocked Arteta and Aubameyang's heads together and said, look, just fucking sort this out till the end of the window. You know, play the game, score some goals, help us out. In the summer, you go blah blah blah, but but clearly, that that hasn't been the case. So this is going to be. It's like um, it's it's not so much the fact that we're not going to sign a striker. It's this this other sideshow which feels just so unbelievably Arsenal. Yeah, and, I, and the thing is, I don't think it is the sideshow. I think it is kind of the show. Um, you know, if Arsenal still had a Bamiang as part of the squad a playing, featuring part of the squad, I don't think they do really need a striker in this window. I like, agree, yeah. it, it would improve them, don't get me wrong. A shiny new player is always good, and particularly if they're one for the future and all mm. that kind of thing. But there was a decision made at the start of the season that Arsenal could get through um, this season with Aubameyang, Lacazette, maybe Eddie Nketiah, maybe Balogun, Martinelli potentially in that mm. position, but mainly with Aubameyang and Lacazette. Obviously, what's changed is his uh, fall from the first team, his mm. deemed unavailability. And that is a, a significant event, an unplanned event, yeah. let's be clear. Um, and one that could be costly to Arsenal. I mean, no, no one's saying Aubameyang was pulling up trees when he was playing. No one's saying he was the Aubameyang that we signed in 2018 or mm. Aubameyang in his prime. But I think you would have to... I think you'd be wrong if you said he wasn't a better option, for example, than Eddie Nketiah. I think that would be yeah, very clearly wrong. Of course. And I, and I think, um, 
yeah, I think it will become quite a defining decision for Mikel Arteta. I mean, we we assume that there there must it must have been impossible for there to be a kind of re- rapprochement between the two. Mm. Lord only knows what had passed that made that the case, and it's a I think a terrific shame that it's come to that. Um, and so yeah, uh, it, it leaves Arsenal light. Um, I, I personally, I'm not sure it is disastrously light. I think that we will we will only know, won't we, in the fullness of time. Yeah, but I can un- I can completely understand the concerns, well, and of course, we'd be better off with him yeah. without him. I, I would rather have him in the squad than not. I'd rather have him in yeah. our squad than Barcelona have him. You know, and I agree with you. He wasn't scoring with the kind of frequency that we would have liked. His form wasn't great. I think he is a, a, a top-level player who is fading and maybe fading uh, fast. I know there are some mitigating factors in terms of mm-hmm. illness and, and various things that have gone on in his personal life, which have been difficult to deal with. And, you know, at the end of the day, he is a, a human and we're, we're all affected by things in different ways. But, it, you know, when we talk about and have talked about with some frequency, Arsenal having a strategy and Arsenal having a plan, yeah, I think what you say about what the plan was for our centre forward position um, this season is is very true. We very consciously or very deliberately changed quite a number of defensive positions. So we brought in a right back, we brought in a central defender, we brought in a goalkeeper. Um, yeah. The focus on what we did in the transfer market last summer was, I think. If we're assuming that there is an overall strategy and a plan to rebuild the squad and to reshape it, they must have said, well, look, this is this is what we've got. This is what we need to do now. And then when Lacazette leaves, Enkedia leaves, in not ideal circumstances, let's be honest, because both of them will leave for free in the summer, they go, there's space in the squad. another cost of the abandoning yeah. situation, by the way. That yeah. Eddie probably would have been sold in this window and now obviously won't be. Yeah, um, exactly. And then, you know, we get to the end of the season. You've got 12 months left of Aubameyang. You're not going to extend him, you know, on the money that he's on or anything like that. But you've got another year and then you bring in your new striker and your new striker is backed up by, you know, Balagoon, who's had six months on loan somewhere and hopefully is is ready for... Uh, some more first-team football with Arsenal. You know, that that seems to have been the plan, but this whole issue with Aubameyang is a, is a complete spanner in the works in that regard. So it's now about, well, how rigidly do they stick to the plan or do they try or have they tried to bring elements of that plan forward to this month? Well, I don't think, uh, you know, I wouldn't be putting exclusive in front of this. I don't think it takes a genius to work it out. But, yes, they have tried. Well, yeah, we saw the Vlaovic stuff, obviously, yeah. Yes, and and there's been other stuff as well in the background relating to some of the other big targets. I mean, you know, it was clear at the end of the summer window last year that the targets for next summer would be spearheaded by a a centre-forward and a central midfielder. And I think Arsenal took the view in January that if they could um, expedite any of that intended summer business to this January window, then they would absolutely do it. And they have not been able to. Um, 
as of what time is it? Eleven fifteen yeah, <laughs> on yeah, the yeah. transfer deadline day. We'll give you updates so, so every the, couple of you, minutes on the time. Don't yeah. yeah. <laughs> so then you get um, then then you sort of have an interesting debate, which is like for a club that for so long has kind of uh, been maybe too reactive and not had sufficient long term planning. This is a. Um, I guess an instance of them adhering to the plan at a point where maybe I think there is a good case that the plan should have been deviated from. Do you know what I mean? It's sort of a, it's an interesting one in that respect. Yeah. I mean, we have spoken. Because Aubameyang leaving wasn't in the plan. Yeah, exactly. And that changes things. I mean, you have to react when something like this happens. Um, But, you know, I, I, I've said this, and I'm sure you've said, and I think most people listening to this would be of the opinion that in order to really make progress, we can't go and do things that we've done in the past which have proved costly. Because if you buy out of panic or desperation the wrong player in January because of something like this, right, you are then – it's not just a mistake for January or for a few weeks. It's for four years, or five years, whatever length of contract this player gets. So I, I, I really feel like we are going to struggle without another forward in the squad to try and maintain this this fight we're in for a top four place. I, I absolutely fear for us right now and uh, as much as anybody else I'm I'm desperate for us to bring in a new player or add somebody to the squad but at the same time I don't want to spend money on a player who isn't the right player or who isn't the player that they really want or that they think is going to get us the target and then you have the the, the question of well okay can you think shorter term is there anything you can do in the short term to give your squad a bit more depth or to give yourself another option. So I don't know if Arsenal have been exploring the loan market at all, but like somebody for five or six months isn't making the mistake, even if that player isn't, let's say, ideal. It -hmm. does give you something. So I do wonder if there might be the potential for that kind of a deal between now and the end of the window because I was I think told there that is. Yeah, over I the, think there is potential. Over the over the weekend I was told it was pretty much dependent on Aubameyang going somewhere as to whether or not we could do anything at all in this window. Now there was no suggestion that we were going to spend 70 80 million on anyone, but the Aubameyang thing is a, is a is a situation which has to be sorted out for something to happen. So if he if he goes to Barcelona, maybe there is the potential for that kind of a deal. Maybe I think the chances are slim. So yeah, me too. Um, but, but yeah, and I think if we do get anything, it will be um, a bit sort of Denis Suarezy, uh, a bit mm. of a body rather than something that's moves the squad forward. I mean, in a way, I think Arsenal have. Um, I mean, again, this is a, a debate, but in some respects, I think Arsenal have paid for tr- not compromising enough on their on what on their targets in this window. You know, they really went for their kind of top tier. Um, these are the people we really want long term. At, at a time when maybe that wasn't 
feasible or in some cases viable. Um, and maybe they should have spent more effort, energy, time focusing on a short-term hmm. solution, as uh, you know, kind of as you suggest. But I mean, surely you can do the two things. Surely you can say, okay, we're going to be ambitious. We're going to try for Vlavic. He's a player we really like. We know it's going to be difficult. Um, we know that, you know, there are... I don't think the... I think the difficulty with the Vlavic thing was the agent more than anything else, to be honest. Mm. Um, I, you know, if the deal was there to be done with Fiorentina, I think it would have been relatively routine because if we were prepared to put the money down, I think they would have been prepared to accept it. Um, but Yeah, I think but, it was on the, the player's yeah, side of yeah, things, for sure. Yeah. But if, you know, people can multitask. You've got more than one person in that department or area of things at Arsenal. So you can say, okay, let's try for Vlavic, but yeah. on the off chance or the fairly considerable chance that it doesn't happen because it's a complicated thing to get done, let's have some alternatives. Let's have some um, maybe B targets like we talked about last week, making that kind of a signing rather than the main mm -hmm. signing, knowing that Nkedia, like I said, are going to go. Or who's out there on loan? Who is the young player on that we could give minutes to, maybe? Who is the grizzled veteran that we could bring in who could give you, you know, 20 minutes as sort of Davor Suker kind of guy? I, you know, just throwing that name out as an example. Yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't mean because you're focusing on getting your main targets, surely you can also have a contingency plan if that, if that doesn't come through. Definitely. I'm sure you can. I think, I mean, I don't know this, but I sort, I sort of think we have to conclude that Arsenal didn't really want to do that because otherwise they would have done it. I mean, I think the loan thing is tricky. I mean, I'd, I don't know. Maybe someone's got a name, but I'd be interested in the name of a striker who has moved on loan or been available to move on loan that people genuinely would have felt improved us. Mm. Um, I, I don't know how how many of those there are around. Um, but I agree with you. We spoke last week about, you know, you don't have to make the marquee centre-forward signing. There is room in the squad in the longer term for another centre-forward. Could that have been done? Do you, uh, I mean, is is the bar like you need somebody who could give you a bit more than Eddie Nketiah? Is that the bar on this? Yeah, I mean, that would be my bar. That would be my bar. So that um, shouldn't be particularly difficult no disrespect to Eddie but like he's a guy who hasn't scored in the Premier yeah, League yeah. this season so yeah I, I, I agree with you and I think Arsenal should have signed a centre forward in this window I think it would have it would have really uh, helped but evidently they've decided well decided is a tricky word but evidently they're not going to at the present time hmm. um so, yeah, it, it is a little bit, um, well, it's definitely disappointing uh, because, you know, we all want the squad to be improved in every window. And I think in the light of the Aubameyang thing, it's concerning because it's natural to wonder about yeah. our potential, you know, between now and the end of the season. And, you know, is the squad stronger than it was when the transfer window shut in the summer? Well, probably not. No. Um, like, 
stuff has happened in this window, but it's all been it's all been. Um, yeah, I mean, what's outward. your take on that? Because that, of course, has added to the yeah. outcry. How many players have left the club? I I had a look at the um, the players who left, and really, the only one that gives me any slight pause for thought is Ainsley Maitland-Niles. I agree with that, actually. Um, The rest... I mean, we're not missing much. Maybe Chambers, but, you know, because that's just sort of my natural aversion to to Cedric as much as anything. But if Tommy Asu stays fit, then, you know, it's, it's not really an issue at all. But, I mean, I had a look... Premier League starts, all the players um, who left. Maitland-Niles started two games and was a sub in uh, six. Eight eight appearances in all competitions, 471 minutes. Pablo Marie, two Premier League starts, three appearances in total across the season, 270 minutes. Kolasinac, one Premier League start, Mm -hmm. five appearances in all competitions, 270 or three appearances, I think, and Chambers, five appearances in all competitions, two Premier League starts, um, you know, EFL games, et cetera, et cetera. So, like, I, I, I think we have a problem with depth, and I'm not quite sure I really understand why, you know, the Chambers deal was sanctioned in January, other than to do a you know, get a few quid in maybe. What do you get? Minimal fee, something like that. But, you know, do the do the player a favor. I mean, I think we've looked after we've looked after fringe players very well. We've been very kind and accommodating to those players. But I just wonder at what cost that is to us as as the season progresses. I suppose what they're looking at is, well, these guys really weren't playing. They weren't involved. Chambers was barely in the squad all season long. Had a couple of appearances lately, but, you know, Kalasinac, Pablo Marie, you know. Mm. And I suppose they're looking at the amount of games we have left to play. 17 games in the Premier League. That's it. There's no cup games. There's no Europe. There's nothing. Just Premier League games. So they're saying, well, we can get by with a smaller squad. Mm -hmm. But it's, you know, it's very difficult to convince people that, you're really trying your best to get into the top four and get back into Europe and get back into the Champions League when you when you let so many players go and don't replace any of them and don't bring anybody in, you know? Um, nobody's going to cry too many tears over any of those players, but to bring nobody in? I think, personally, I think the departures are mainly a bit of a red herring in that, as you say, I'm not sure how relevant they are to like I don't, our yeah. chances of anything between now and the end of the season. I mean, and, and if somebody wants to come in and take, say, a class snatch off your hands six months before the end of his contract, I think you buy the hand off, to mm. be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Maitland-Niles one, I think, is the, the sort of big question mark for me. But even then... I think most people are sort of like, well, it would have been good to keep him till the end of January. I don't think too many would have been too upset 
had he gone at that point. Well, do you I not think, think people would react now if, you know, <laughs> would they not just go uh, on transfer deadline day and say, well, we keep until the end of January and then on deadline day you let Maitland-Niles go as well and not bring anyone else in? I think people would react differently. Yes, but that's kind of because of the cumulative mm. effect, you know. I, what I'm saying is the kind of narrative effect of Arsenal shedding players, I think, has added to the angst. But in real terms, I don't think many of those departures hurt us very much at all. And actually, I think it's probably a good thing for the squad to lose some of those guys. And I, I don't mean that disrespectfully, but it had to happen sooner or later. The Chambers one is interesting because Arsenal had an option, of course, to extend his contract, which um, David Ornstein reported mm. this morning expired in December and they never took it up. That I don't quite get because by triggering the extension, you give yourself a bit more control in the situation. You can sell him. I mean, I wonder if that just speaks to how keen they were to get shot of him. Yeah, maybe uh, so. Maybe so, because then you, you, the the other side of that is that you don't get bids bid. and you've got to keep a player for another year who you've really decided is, is not... Um, is not for you. I mean, just in terms of the, the squad building slash dismantling, yeah. trimming, whatever you want to call it, there was a tweet at me from Arsenal Concept, who's at Concept Arsenal with a full list of the players who've gone uh, this season. Joe Willock, Lucas Torreira, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, Saeed Kolasinac, Callum Chambers, Willian, Pablo Marie, uh, Matteo Genduzzi, William Saliba, uh, Dejan Ilyev was a young, well, not young, he was he's a mid-20s goalkeeper. Mm. Reese Nelson, Alex Runison, uh, Hector Bellerin and, and David Luiz. Now, I'm not saying I miss many of those players, but it's still quite a churn, mm. isn't it? I mean, it's it basically is. a full team with a couple of subs. You could stick out a reasonable 11 with that team and, you know... The thing about it is, is like, I get it. I get if you want to move away from some players who you feel are not going to take you where you need to go. But if you get to where you want to go, you're going to need more players than you have right now. So that's that, for sure. There is a, sure. There's a, there's a definite depth issue with this squad. There is. And I, well, yeah, that, that mm. will need to be addressed at some stage. It's funny, you know, you read that list of names to me and I, I'm sure some people are sort of panicked by it. For me, I love it. I'm like, yeah, get them out. We needed to take oh, the squad apart. Like I said, I'm not crying over any of those departures. I'm just talking in, in, in sheer terms of numbers. Numbers in, numbers out. Numbers but in, numbers out. we did buy in. six players in the summer. I mean, that I do think is an mm. interesting aspect of the conversation that isn't really happening is that... Arsenal bought six players in the summer for a lot of money. Mm. And as much as they've let a lot of people go, they haven't got a lot of money in um, at all in terms of transfer fees or anything like that. And I do wonder if that is a factor uh, in us not strengthening in January, seemingly. Well, do you mean from a financial perspective? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, it, it must, must be a consideration, mustn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, if you add on the previous summer window which was Thomas Partey paid in full mm. by the way and um, Gabriel which was 30 odd million well close to 30 million so you're talking you know in the last two summer windows the guts of 
250 million pounds. Mm. And like you say, we are particularly poor when it comes to recouping value on the players that we have, yeah. uh, as evidenced by the fact that, you know, Eddie and Kedia is going to leave for free. And maybe, maybe we get a tribunal fee if he stays in England, but if he goes abroad, we get nothing. And this, mm -hmm. this is the kind of situation that we've got to be more um, on top of, you know, we really, really do because I know we've made this um, comment before, but you know, if Liverpool sold Eddie and Keddie or got rid of Eddie and Keddie, they get like 400 million from Bournemouth. And, yeah, you know, sure. <laughs> they somehow find a way. British like, transfer records. Well, exactly. And, you know, they get they get money for players who've done much less than Eddie and Kedia. Yeah, they tend to. You know, so that, that aspect of, of how we manage our squad, it's all well and good saying, well, look, Eddie is not the striker we thought he was going to be or we don't think, you know, we're going to make progress with him or, you know, even if he wants to leave, that's fine. Those decisions are fine, but, you know, for that kind of a player to leave for nothing, it's not great. And it's, it's, a, it's a pattern, it's a habit or whatever it is. It's a problem that we need to, to sort out. It is, yeah. And I think as well it's a consequence of bad signings, bad contracts. I mean, the biggest problem Arsenal have had is finding people to buy these players on the wages that they're on. Uh, and they've not been able to do that. Do you um, think it's the wages that is the that is the big issue? I think for a lot of them, yeah, I do, I do. Well, it depends who you mean. I mean, you have to take it case by case. But um, I mean, Kalasnach is the obvious example. Mm. You know, where a lot of people would have taken him earlier, but they would have asked him to half what he made. Um, and I think there are other cases like that. I, I think as well, there are situations like Aubameyang, for example, where, um, well, again, again, wages is huge. Like, you know, if he was on 30 grand a week, he'd probably find somebody who would pay a transfer fee for him. Yeah. He's very much not. So I, personally, I do think that sort of salary decisions have been a big factor in our inability to recoup fees. Um so, yeah, I mean, when we talked last summer, I remember we made our predictions at the start of some window. What will Arsenal do? Mm. And I think you and I both had us bringing in <laughs> north of 50 million in yeah. player sales. Yeah. And had that happened, I think more business would have happened last summer. Uh, and maybe some would have happened in January. But it just hasn't materialised. I think Arsenal's inability to sell players um, is at the heart of... Mm. of the the deficit really that we find ourselves in with spending how how do i phrase this how important do you think it is that as a football club we have a defined strategy in terms of our recruitment and in terms of our selling like i do wonder if part of why we see so many of these poor deals is uh, sort of like a bit of a hangover from the flux we found ourselves in towards the end of Arsene Wenger, 
the Emery thing, the various shuffles at executive level and all that kind of stuff. Like all that has played a part, I think, in in some of the decisions we've made or the lack of decisions that we've made or some of the the the, the, the players that we've brought in who are going to be difficult to sell. Like, you know, you can't sell a Cedric on four years, contract, et cetera, et cetera. That regardless of who the manager is, mm. that the club itself has in place a strategy or a decision-making process when it comes to players that uh, is implemented in order to stop things like Inkedia, like Lacazette happening. Um, I mean, that feels like it's an important aspect of, of what we have to do as a football club. Um, and then it feeds into, you know, whatever you think about I suppose the technical director or the people at that uh, on that side of things being in control of of what happens and how. Yeah, I think it's really important. I mean, in fairness, I think on the recruitment side there has been a kind of strategic overhaul, and I think that's already evident. Even if you don't like what Arsenal have done this January in terms of not bringing somebody in, it is at least part of a bigger strategy. Uh, I think on the outgoing side, there's less evidence that that kind of work has gone in. And, you know, is do Arsenal have a plan for selling players? Mm. I'm not convinced they do. And I can understand why your immediate priority and your emphasis would be, well, let's think about the people we bring in. Mm. I get that. But uh, it's an obvious thing to say, but the more you sell, the more you can bring in. And the more money you recoup, the greater your spending potential and I do wonder if maybe some kind of strategic overhaul is is necessary mm. on the kind of player valuation, player sales side. And I guess kind of loan management would be part of that conversation as well. Because a lot of the times when we talk about young players fetching a lot of money, it's because of the loans. You know, Joe Willock's a great example of that working mm. really successfully. But equally... Eddie Nketiah never really going on loan, not playing enough Premier League football, not signing a new contract is a case study in how to mm. not do things. Um, so, yeah, I think Arsenal have got a lot of work. It's interesting because today is a day where everyone's going to be up in arms about us not buying players. But I think we should also be reflecting on mm. do we sell smartly enough? What can the club do to sell better? A technical director's job is twofold, right? It's not just player identification and recruitment but mm. it's also player sales and I think squad management yeah yeah and I think Edu is clearly um, has has fared better in one than the other even if this window is a disappointment in, in incoming yeah um, I've just seen a tweet there from Mr. Arsenic at Mr. Arsenic TM uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang has landed in Barcelona airport he could just be on holiday like Alexander Isaac is in London. <laughs> no, I think that will go through. I think the signs were there over the weekend. I'm looking at this. Yeah, I'm looking at this video. I remember that that airport very well from all my time yeah. going back and forward there. It's actually made me a bit homesick or wistful or something. I don't know. You're going to go with him? Yeah, I want to go. <laughs> going to go with him. Barca blog or whatever. I don't know.
Yeah. This is quite a mad story. Uh, David also just in the last minutes tweeted, Aaron Ramsey is at a private airport terminal in the UK about to decide which of three offers to accept and then fly to choice and try to do deadline day deal. Wow. I see. Oh, look, he's rejected Burnley. Good man. He's rejected Burnley. Thank goodness for that. Good man. Um, but yeah, uh, there's another Premier League club in a, a European club and Rangers in Scotland. Wow. Um, I don't think yeah, he was ever under serious consideration for Arsenal. I think, uh, yeah, that was never something discussed uh, particularly seriously. But um, who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're in mm. late in the day. But yeah, I, I, I think it's. Uh, it really is a day of decisions, and I mean not bringing somebody in, allowing Aubameyang to go, that we, we will judge in May, won't we? And and we will, you know, but when Aubameyang was left out for a month in December, many people thought that might be a disaster. It did mm. not prove to be. Um, if you wanted to be positive, you could say that the playing group that Arsenal had through that period of good form in December is essentially back together and still together. Um, there, There is, you know, uh, I think we're going to face tougher games than Norwich, Southampton. West Ham was a good win, not taking anything away from that. Yeah. And a Leeds team that, you know, had four embryos on the on the bench. Um, you know, so, I mean, yeah, I, I, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Just, it, it's just weird looking at Aubameyang going to Barcelona and we're, we're. Well, let's be clear. Barcelona aren't Barcelona right now, are they? I mean, yeah, it's a but bit it's still Barcelona. I know it's not Barcelona, Barcelona, but it's still Barcelona. It would have been lovely to ship him off to the Middle East, to you know, a team where we never saw him play, and we could pretend his career was over. But clearly, he still has something to offer. Barcelona were interested. Juventus were interested. Um, I imagine he'll go there. I imagine he'll do okay. This is a situation where things weren't resolvable between him and the manager. And that's why we're here. It's not a football decision. No. No, no, no. It's not still weird, though. It's still just mad, kind of, to see that when we're... Yeah, we're just so in need of somebody like him. And... Mm. Maybe we wouldn't have got the best version of him. Uh, it's water under the bridge now at this point, I guess. But um, it is one of those decisions which I think will, will, or could have um, a significant impact on how uh, people view Judge Mikel Arteta, even if he's absolutely in the right over what happened. And I like, I don't know what happened. I know something happened because um, you you don't. You don't end up in this situation because somebody's late, even if they're late on a regular basis. You, you know, you just find them. Um, but if he goes there and scores a load of goals and we miss out on top four by a couple of goals, there's going to be zero forgiveness, regardless of the justification for the decision. You know, that's just the way football works. Yes, I, I said earlier, I think it could be defining, and, and I mm. do think that. I, I wonder. Uh, you know, it's interesting. If you ask me, would I rather have a, a Birmingham happy back playing uh, or not? The answer is definitely the former. Mm. If you ask me, would I rather have a Birmingham uh, at Barcelona or 
at Arsenal, but not being selected, being paid his full salary, it being talked about every week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean, yeah. yeah. Then it's trickier. But, of course, that's a bit of a false premise, you know, because it excludes the potential for um, everybody to kiss and make up. Yeah. Which I, I do think is what should have happened. And, I, and yet, like you say, it, it does seem extraordinary that it hasn't. And it must there must be a component that we don't understand because otherwise it doesn't really make any sense. No, on on you know on a surface level, um, it, it doesn't. Clearly, there's something deeper. But at the end of the day, we're fans who want to see our team win football games and score goals and not be in a position where we're we're desperately worried that going into uh, the second half of a season in which we're in a good position, I think. You know, that's that's part of why there is such acute frustration that it's not a case of simply being greedy or we want a signing for the sake of a signing. We want a signing because we need one, obviously, up front. We need a striker. There's no... I don't think anybody is even arguing with that uh, premise. But, but also there's an opportunity. Mm. And it's felt like there's an opportunity for us to to end up in a position perhaps better than we thought we might this season. Uh, and that's down to, you know, how well the team has performed. Uh, and maybe it's, maybe we overlook that aspect of it. We've had some difficulties, some bad results. January's been a terrible month. No two ways about it. Um, we didn't win a game. We've, you know, let half the squad go, et cetera, et cetera. And that all feeds into this idea that that if we were really serious about pushing for the top four, we would have done something this month, whether it was a striker, a winger, somebody else to play in the four positions. And that, I think, is feeding into a lot of the the frustration uh, on top of, you know, the Aubameyang situation, which just looks just looks crazy, you know? Yeah. And, and you know, it's interesting. I mean, the club are fully aware, I imagine, that they're going to get absolutely hammered today if they don't bring anybody in. Um and it does put significant pressure, I think, on... I mean, the funny thing is, Arteta will come under pressure for the Aubameyang situation. Um, but I don't think it's... I don't think he can be held fully responsible for kind of the recruitment situation, you know? I mean, clearly that's a bigger responsibility and one that involves the technical director and the hierarchy and the ownership. Um, so it, it, it's... It's it's pretty big. It's a pretty big sort of hinge point in the season. And whatever happens between now and May, I think we'll be kind of viewed through this prism. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No no escaping it. No there's escaping. no escaping that. I, I, I do still think, and I, I would be sort of disingenuous if I said otherwise, that the kind of depth of despair is a little overwrought. I think that the... You know, you can say January was this incredibly disappointing month where we didn't win any games, but I don't think that is actually a true... Although that is a fact, it's not a true reflection of uh, the performances that we produced in some games. I think it was better than it looks on paper. And I think that the thinness of the squad during January has played into the anxiety people feel about letting Pablo Marie and Callum Chambers go. But when the suspensions are over, when the AFCON players are back, 
I don't think those departures will weigh as heavy. I really think it is just the striker situation that is the that is the significant one. Yeah. Um, personally. Yeah. Look, I I think there were things in January that were promising slash encouraging in certain ways. You know, Anfield with ten men. Good battling performance, good character, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. Playing very, very well against Man City until you know it all went wrong. But yeah, we still didn't win a game. We got knocked out of two cups, and um, you know, really, the Forest game in particular was was uh, was very disappointing because, regardless of absences and injuries and all the rest of it, that was a team that should have been able to beat Nottingham Forest on the day and we were well 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 below par so um i've just seen a tweet here from someone i don't know how true it is uh, saying arsenal are prepared to let record signing nicolas pepe depart the club on loan before tonight's deadline i mean it's like <laughs> performance art at this point isn't it uh, i i doubt very much that is true. I, I i doubt uh, it as well but like <laughs> it's it's just uh it feels like every story um that comes out about a, a player departing feels true. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> yeah. we're in this sort of uh, headspace where, well, of course, of course that's what we would do. What is the record for the uh, smallest number of players in a Premier League squad? I wonder. Do we uh, even have 25 know. now? I don't know. It's, got, I mean, it's a long way from having to leave Meza Ozil and Socrates out. Um, well, yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> from one extreme to the other. Um, but you know, I mean, as you as you pointed out, we're only competing in one competition, so maybe that that is a factor. I do think as well there might be a financial thing here that w- that we're not um, party to. Mm. You know, Aubameyang's salary is so heavy around the club, and if he were here but not playing, the cost of that, I just wonder if that became unpalatable mm. to them after what happened with Ozil. Um, of course, there's always the possibility that he could be here and playing. Um, but clearly, those involved felt that wasn't feasible. Mm. So, yeah, I, I I, really... I mean, the thing is, like, I am a little bit ahead of the curve. I, you know, for years, I was one of those people sat looking at Twitter, uh, desperately hoping for things or, you know, investing in things that were quite spurious. Mm. Uh, now I'm somewhat more informed and for the past few days really I've been of the opinion that Arsenal won't get anything done on the incomings Um, I don't really see that changing and they you know there there were close there were options I mean I found the story about Arthur for example really interesting this idea that they could have taken him if they were prepared to do an 18 month loan but that various people within the hierarchy of the club did not want to do that Mm. Um, you know that demonstrates I think that there is an element of kind of choice about Arsenal being in this position it's not purely um, what's the word happenstance happenstance or even uh, incompetence you know it's a decision Um, yeah perhaps shows a commitment to whatever strategy they put in place but um, yeah 
Like, you don't do an 18-month loan deal for a player like that. You just don't. I mean, I get it. I get it. And I don't think midfield is the area anyway. I think we're fine, really, in midfield. Uh, it's not that we couldn't use somebody, but I don't think... I don't think that we... Uh, are light in terms of numbers when we get El Nani back, when we get Partey and Jacka back, and you've got Sambi in there, and you've got Martin Odegaard who can play in there as well. So it's not it's not really that. It is just the striker thing, and it's the goals thing, and that's what worries people. Goals win you games, and um, we we have a worrying lack of them from our two centre-forward options. That is the reality. People are looking at a squad where between the two strikers we have, they have three Premier League goals, two goals from open play, and one player has got all those goals. You know, mm. um, so. But what I would say again, and, and this is, I genuinely believe this, that that is true, and a centre forward who scored goals would definitely have improved Arsenal and moved them forward. But I do think that when people say our fate lies in the hands of Lacazette and Nketiah, I think that's a bit um, inaccurate and misleading. I think that really the function of this team and the function of Lacazette in the team is to bring the best out of those players behind him and wide of him. Mm. And the, the honest truth, in my opinion, is that our fate lies in the hands of Bukayo Saka... Gabriel Martinelli, Emil Smith-Rowe. They are the people who will score the goals to get Arsenal to where they need to go. Of course, I don't love the idea that our fate is in the hands of these three young talents, but Mm. that has to be reflected in the conversation, you know, that it's it's about how the attack uh, functions as much as it is about the actual centre-forward sticking the ball in the net. I mean, the truth is, Arsenal haven't had a centre-forward regularly scoring goals for 18 months. Um, mm, that's a fair point. With mixed results, you yeah. know. I, it definitely would have helped. Don't get me wrong. Mm. I would love it. If Arsenal could have signed Vlavic, if he had wanted to come and that deal had been doable, oh, I'd be feeling very good about our chances right now. Um, but I do think that... it. It's not the end of our chances if we don't add somebody, you know? And I do think that that seems to be the prevailing attitude. Um, I think but it, this makes, is basi- yeah. Yeah. But it is basically the group that have got us to this position. Yeah. It does make it a lot more complicated. Or a It'd bit be a more lot easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, yeah. with better players, of yeah, course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. Reductive but, to say. I think we might have a question or two about what we might do. So... Um, in the absence of no signings happening in the uh, the time that we've been recording this uh, first part of the podcast, let's take a break, come back with some questions, and who knows in the in the interval, which is about sixty seconds, <laughs> we, <laughs> we may might have, have signed Pepe. Yeah, Nicholas Pepe. I hear as well we're open to loaning um, Aaron Ramsdale, Bernd Leno, Kieran Tierney, Gabriel, Ben White, Nuno Tavares, Rob Holding, Granit Thomas Part. <laughs> Right, we'll do a we'll do we'll do a break and we'll be back with your questions and more in part 2 right after this. Mm-hmm. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to the Arsecast Extra. This is part two of the show where we answer the questions that you sent to us on Twitter at Gunnarblog and at Arsblog. Also on the Arsblog Discord chat server, which you get access to if you are an Arsblog member on Patreon. We do have some stuff coming for you this week. Tomorrow, we're going to have a post-transfer deadline day podcast to talk about all the deals that... Uh, Okay, well, we'll talk about something anyway, no doubt. Uh, but we will have that podcast for you on Patreon as well. As well as on Wednesday, we'll do an episode of Waffle, myself and James. Uh, this is the podcast in which we take questions about anything and everything except Arsenal. And I imagine at that point, people will be uh, in need of a little break to, um, yeah, to sort of clear their minds of all the stress and angst that Arsenal has caused. So you can join us for that on Wednesday. Patreon.com forward slash Arseblog if you would like to, to sign up. So there you go. Um, exciting times. Exciting times indeed. Let me ask you a question to start go on. with. Yeah. The Baron, the Baron, uh, he says, what internal solutions do you see us using over the remainder of the season? At this point, I'm under the impression that they may be all we've got to work with. And I'm beginning to come around to your way of thinking, the Baron. Uh, yeah, it looks like what we have, we hold. Um, so, I mean, do you think it's a case simply that Lacazette is going to start up front for the remaining, uh, remaining 17 games? Or is there scope for Mikel Arteta to try something different? I think Lacazette's going to be plan A, but I think there may be need to try something different or opportunity, certainly. And of those options, I think the one that interests me most would be putting Martinelli through the middle um, and mm. potentially Smith-Rowe from the left-hand side. The reason I say that is I think Smith-Rowe is a good combination player for a fullback on that side. I'm not saying Martinelli's not, but I think the way that he sort of drifts in field creates nice space on the overlap. And Martinelli has all the tools to be a centre-forward um, and is a natural goal scorer, I think. You know, a guy who looks mm. to get shots off, who looks to get finish in the box. Uh, I think that could be interesting. But I, I think that Arteta will 
we'll start from Lacazette and you know if he can keep doing that and it's working he probably will but I think Martinelli might be the likeliest I, I think that's likelier than that's- say Pepe. Yeah, I don't see Pepe. I think Martinelli up front is the only other real option we have beyond Lacazette and um, Eddie, you know. Uh, And at this point, I would be more inclined to give Martin. Let's say, imagine, crazy thought this, but imagine Lacazette doesn't score for a few games. Or gets an injury. Yeah, we had a question on that from Gavin the Gooner, who said, in what amusing way will Lacazette be injured on February 1st? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Which, you know, I I laugh at, but also there's an element of um, dread, uh, simply because that would feel somewhat inevitable. But, you know, I'd rather see Martinelli start games up front than Eddie at this point, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, It just, you know, here's a player who's going to be with us, who's got a future with us, and I'm not, questioning Eddie's commitment or his professionalism or anything like that. But I think if you are going to try and build for the future, then use the players who are going to be around. Um, And I think Martinelli up front is an interesting idea, particularly, as you say, if you can get Smithrow fully fit again. And that that forward line, if you like, that that, um, Saka, Odegaard, Smith-Rowe, Martinelli, Quartet. I mean, as much as I want us to sign a striker, and I do, uh, that kind of, the idea of that kind of excites me a bit. But maybe that's me just trying to convince myself that it'll all be okay and the disaster isn't coming, you know? But I, I, I would be quite interested in and excited to, to see that because we know Smith-Rowe can score. Odegaard is scoring some goals this season. Saka, we know, is scoring. Martinelli is scoring. So, you know, there are some goals... Uh, in that in that particular setup, so if there yeah. is something beyond the Lacazette role at centre forward, I hope it's Martinelli. Yeah, and and I and as I said before, I think that quartet probably hold the key to the success of our season. And maybe if we can't rely on Lacazette for goals, it's going to be to facilitate those guys. I mean, do you think there's any chance Arteta would go back to? the Smith Rowe false nine thing. He tried it once before, didn't he? I yeah, was, which it was game. Villarreal, wasn't it? In the... I think it was, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's certainly possible, um, but I'm not sure I'd be that inclined to do it when we have someone like Martinelli who can give you just that that ability to run the channels and to be a nuisance up front. Like, uh, I don't say this in any way to be disparaging to Gabriel Martinelli, but there's an element in terms of how he plays, the physical nature of his game. It's a bit Vardy-esque, if you know what I mean. Mm, the sort yeah. of problems that he can cause defenders with his movement and um, his sharpness around the box, that kind of thing that I think, you know, if you could hone that a little bit, could be really, really useful. So I would prefer to see Smith Rowe um, on the left, to be honest. I don't really see him as as that guy. I mean, he can do the 10 thing as well if you need to drop Odegaard deeper when Chaka gets, you know, another red card. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, inevitably. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I wrote a line in a piece that sort of 
uh, got glossed over because the piece had a lot about transfers in it. And so that's the bit that all the aggregators tweeted out. But he was talking about the kind of centre-forwards Arsenal are interested in. And something that I have been told is that Arsenal, and particularly Mikel Arteta, are interested by the idea of a centre-forward who drops deep to create overloads in midfield areas. Mm-hmm. Um, that's presumably why they like that aspect of Lacazette's game and it's why someone like Alexander Isak appeals, I think, because he's quite good dropping into those areas. And I do wonder if um, the Smith-Rowe false nine thing is kind of an extension of that, potentially. I'm a bit of a false nine sceptic, I have to say. Like, they always slightly worry me. I think we've had quite bad experiences with it at mm. Arsenal. I think back to Andrea Sharvin playing in that role. I think back to Willian and Smith-Rowe. We've never really seen it convincingly work, unless you would argue that that is basically the job Lacazette is doing, which I think you could make that case. I don't really think so. I think he's just a centre-forward who drops deep, um, you know, and doesn't really have the ability to get into the dangerous positions that a, a false nine should be getting into as well. I mean, it really works when you've got a player like Lionel Messi doing it, but that's yeah. that's an exceptional um, circumstance, you know, an exceptional yeah. player. And I don't know that that's really the best way for us to operate. Well, here's, here's a question about the strikers from Ant, who's AntWalter3 on Twitter. Mm. And Ant says, how many goals... Do you expect Lacazette and Nketiah to return in our remaining 17 league games? And is the number higher than you would expect from a new striker who isn't adjusted to the league coming straight into the team? Let's deal with that second part later. But what do you genuinely expect from Lacazette and Nketiah between now and May? 17 games. Five goals. Total? Cumulative? Like, yeah, combined? between them. Okay. I th- and would you say you would expect a new striker to get more than that? Well, I mean, it depends who it was. It depends yeah. on, on the striker. Like, if you bring in a Lucas Perez-level striker, maybe not. Uh, I, I do think a new signing could give us more than than. It completely Eddie. depends who it is. Yeah, of course. It? Of course. Um, but, but, yeah, I think... I think I think that's fair. I, I would go uh, higher, but not by loads. I would go between five and ten, maybe seven or eight. Mm. I I'm not expecting suddenly Lacazette to turn into a yeah, uh, yeah, a prolific goal scorer. Yeah, yeah. And Eddie, I'm not sure how much, how many opportunities he's going to get, and when he gets them, mm. um, you know, as we say, he's not got a league goal. So, Not since April last year, yeah. April last year, right, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think, obviously, you know, if we had ma- managed to snare an elite striker, I think they would have come in and hit the ground running. I mean, you remember Aubameyang in 2018 came in and I think he got double yeah. figures. Uh, and he wasn't, deadline even, wasn't even playing the Europa League games because he was, he was cup-tired no. in Europe, if you remember. Nor so. playing through the middle most of the time. I think yeah. he was playing from the left, Lacazette through the middle. Um, so, you know, it really depends on what you can get in. Um, but I I would be surprised if that pair got to ten goals from the remaining seventeen games. Oh, I would tell you something. I would be shocked. Would you they, take it? I mean, if they got ten goals and yeah. you had Smith Rowe and Saka and Martinelli and and Odegaard scoring with some frequency, it's probably enough. 
but I just don't think they will. I just don't. Yeah, based I mean, on if what they I've get seen to this, 10, yeah. that's about what you would hope for. That's better than one one in two. So that would be pretty uh, tasty, but I, I don't, I don't see it. Mm, I don't see it either. That's why I said five. So yeah, yeah. Um, is it my question? It is it my is. question. We sort of dealt with that one where the land on Discord says, would you be more concerned about the direction of the club if we A, sign nobody this window, or B, overpay to fill a need? Which I know it's not quite as binary, but we, we did slightly chat about so this. It's hard to say that, isn't it? You know, because you can overpay for the right player. Did Arsenal mm. overpay for Ben White? Maybe. But it worked. So, you know, that's a really tricky one. Um, yeah, but but we could go round around the houses on it, couldn't we? I guess so. Um, I'm trying to think if I've got another question here. Uh, I should do. I, I've got one if you okay. haven't. Yeah, yeah. Generic Guna, er, who's error404 on Twitter, says, <laughs> would you rather Morata on loan or nobody? He said, I'm leaning towards the former. That's how desperate Arsenal have made me. Wow. Um, Morata on loan. I really don't like that player. Do not like him at all. Um, I mean, we're desperate. We're desperate. That's where we are, that people are considering. Do you that. like him better than Eddie Nketiah? That's the question. That is a question. I mean... Uh, I, I think I do. I think I do. I think he's flawed. He drove me mad at Chelsea, I've got to say. Well, I don't care what happens to Chelsea, but I watched Chelsea time to time. And- yeah. He's he was a uh, flaky, isn't he? He's really yeah. flaky. He did not seem suited to the Premier League. Let's put it like that. Mm. But um, but I think he's I think he's uh, got more pedigree than Eddie. I have to be honest about that. I I agree with that, but also it would it would really say something about what we've done this month. That if at this point. All we could muster was Morata on loan. You know, I think that is perhaps in some ways a more damning indictment than signing nobody. At least if you sign nobody, you're saying, well, we're not, we're not bringing in anyone because we can't get the player we want. We're going to try and make it work with the players we have. We're not going to waste any more resources. You know, you might not like it, but that's what we're doing. As we were yeah. just talking about it at halftime, there's sort of Off at that, least yeah. there's a there's a conviction to that, whether you agree with it, disagree with it, or whatever. Then, then at the last minute, going, oh, oh shit, we've got to get someone, Morata. You know, I think that is in yeah, that would be more damning in many ways. Interesting. I would pr- I would probably take Morata, um, even though I do think you're right. There is something uh, a conviction in sticking to your guns. Um, I do think he's probably substantially better than Eddie. But who knows? I don't think he's available anyway because you invaded the Aubameyang. So there you go. Louis Letty or Louis Letty uh, on Twitter, at Louis or Louis Letty, said, Do the Dubai pictures of Wilshire wearing 12 convince you he may receive a short-term contract for the rest of the season? Or is it just a case of spare shirt numbers being chucked in by the kit man? I think the latter. I really do. I, I do think that it's interesting... As we've hurtled towards the deadline, the midfielder conversation has quietened down substantially mm. and the striker one has uh, got much, much louder. And I do think um, that reflects the fact that it is an area of 
much greater need. And I think that midfield, even having lost Maitland-Niles, um, we we should be okay. Mm. Uh, we, we we could be stronger. Don't get me wrong, but I don't see them signing Jack. I think that the the thing about him going to Dubai was that with Afcon and injuries and um, different and players leaving the club, I think Arsenal needed bodies to be honest, mm. probably in that group to make it workable. Um, and clearly, they like having him around. Mm. But I think you do you do the short term contract before. We're now at twelve seventeen PM on yeah, deadline day. Probably what would have think? done. It. Probably would have done it before now. Um, I, I think Arteta has been consistent throughout, hasn't he? When he talks about Jack and, and what's going to happen, um, and the possibility of him returning, and and you know, I like Jack. He's an Arsenal man, but I just don't know what you get from a player who hasn't played for a year. You know, just don't yeah. know what you get from them at, at the top level, and the fact that he's been front and centre you know what I mean he's been quite public or his profile has been quite public lately you know what I mean he's been on TV he's been training with Arsenal he's um, in pictures and people are talking about him all the time throughout January and there isn't anyone out there who would take him on a free for six months I do wonder if that says something about you know what 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 he's capable of at this level anymore, which is a shame. I think it's sad, you know, but I think it probably does tell you something. Mm. Um, just on my That's Twitter... Stevens. Oh, sorry, on, just go. on my Twitter, um, uh, what's trending in football, Lucas Perez and underneath, <laughs> Arteta and Edu are trending on my Twitter. What's Lucas Perez up to? I don't know. Can we get him in? Don't know. Um... I imagine, you know, that that has something to do with the uh, Arsenal transfer rumour, which feels very Lucas perez indeed, which is the Raul de Tomas one. Um, Raul of Thomas, yeah. Raul of Thomas, which I I would be very surprised if that happened, just because I don't think there's been any serious interest from Arsenal to this Mm. point. If it does happen, it is, as Lucas Perez was, a real kind of desperation move. Um, mm. It's famous last words there. <laughs> yes. um, Gaz Stevens. I mean, we sort of alluded to this on the Discord. How much do you think FFP has affected our January deals? Are we seeing some needed austerity to comply with regulations after lots of spending with very little income from sales? I think it. I think it has to play a part. Um, there has to be. There has to be something. Um, or some kind of financial consideration to all of this. But at the same time, if we're going after Vlavic, how do we justify that kind of an outlay? If we assume that we were prepared to make that kind of an outlay on Vlavic, how does that then tie in with purported financial fair play restrictions? I mean, do you think Arsenal had to clear the decks in case they could do one of these big deals? Maybe. I mean, let's assume that Aubameyang's um, wages are off the books now. Yeah, if if he go, When he goes to Barcelona. 
I've seen talk about him taking a pay cut, but I don't really understand why. Like maybe Barcelona won't pay him as much, but surely he's, enti- money, he's sure. entitled to everything he's entitled to from Arsenal, right? So, yeah. you know, Barcelona might supplement that. But let's let's say that two thirds of it is gone, and let's say two hundred grand a week is gone, and you take Chambers' wages, Pablo Marie's wages, Kalasinac's wages, Maitland Niles' wages. What's that? Probably another two hundred and fifty. There, thereabouts, mm-hmm. you know, that's for half a million pounds a week in wages gone. Um, so I just, yeah, it always felt to me like January was about clearing the deck so we could bring somebody in, mm-hmm. but um, it doesn't look like that's that's happening. So I, I don't know what more I can say about it. Mm. Mm. Yeah, FFP is tricky because uh, I don't understand it fully. <laughs> to be completely honest with you, but it wouldn't be it wouldn't surprise me if it was a factor, um, and I'll try and find out. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let me see. Michael, who's at Euler fifty six, says after the squad call, we will have eighteen players, bar any incomings. Uh, rolling on the floor laughing emoji. Uh, what do we do in the summer when, slash if, we have European football that will require a squad, especially if we somehow get top four? Mm. Yeah, I think it's 18 outfield. So I guess we're at about 20, really. Or 21 if you count after a quo. But I think clearly it would leave gaps I mean, I, I guess they're hoping that William Saliba might fill one of those gaps. And then I think they must be looking at signings. I mean, what's hard to say is, you know, we would probably still lose players from that group. You know, Lacazette might go, almost certainly will go. Mm-hmm. Eddie Nketiah almost certainly will go. Uh, unless they have the most extraordinary El second Nenny. half of the season and smash our predictions into smithereens. Yeah, El Nenny. El Nenny will be gone as well. Um trying to think if there's anybody else who we, Arsenal could lose but there'll be two or three more uh, I think it does put them in danger perhaps of um, you know having to kind of chase after a lot of deals again um, which you would think after a summer in which you signed six players yeah you wouldn't necessarily be in that you know <laughs> we, we spoke about Arsenal needing to add kind of one or two um, but six in, twelve out. You know, there's a yeah, slight, that. slight balance issue there, isn't and I, there? And, I, and I'm not sure there are a ton of academy players waiting to make that step up. I mean, maybe, maybe Charlie Patino would take one of those mm. spots. Mm. Maybe, but maybe. beyond that, it's very difficult to say. You know, Balogun. Mm. Who knows? Um, after after that, it's very difficult to say. So maybe Saliba coming back, Matt Turner obviously coming in, but beyond that, I've, yeah, yeah, it's, it, it looks thin, it looks thin. So and, and you know we can roll off the tongue a few positions, you know, right back, central midfield, centre forward, that all would need to be strengthened immediately. Mm. Um, I think if you were in the Europa League. Or, the, or indeed the Champions League, it's challenging with those <laughs> sorts of numbers. Uh, it would be, yeah. 
because you're yeah. playing every three days. You're going exactly. through periods of the season where you're playing every three days. And that is what, you know, brings about a lot of injuries and fatigue and the need for rotation and everything else. Like you, yeah. you might be able to get through 17 league games with no distractions or no co- competitions or anything else. You might be able to get through with a small squad like this. I still mm. think it's a risk. But you yeah, might be sure. able to do it. But there's no way you could do a Premier League season, the FA Cup, the imagine the Champions League, um, Carabao Cup. You, you can't do it with a squad that small. You know, there's a reason why you name 25 players. Um, so, yeah. Absolutely. Um, okay. The real Twatterman. Who's <laughs> that Twatterman? Says, you have three choices. One is watch Sky Sports News all day on deadline day. One is survive an island, survive on an island with a grizzly bear until midnight. <laughs> Scary, but potentially very exciting. And the other is a romantic date with Phil Collins. What do you choose? Uh, the island and the bear. No question. Yeah. No question. No question. What sort of bear did he say? Grizzly bear. Grizzly bear. Grizzly bear. Can they climb trees? Yes. Uh, yeah, most bears can climb trees. Mm. Yeah. Survive till midnight. Survive till Where's midnight. Where's the safest place to be? I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe, there's a, maybe there's a stone cabin on the island. You just lock yourself sure. away in there until midnight. Unless it's a sort of a deserted island. But then there's bound to be some kind of hiding place. Is the bear actively looking for you? I mean, is it just there? Or is he like, oh, I'm going to find this cunt. I'm going to yeah. I'm gonna is eat it him. like you've wronged the bear and the bear wants revenge? He wants revenge. I don't know, but there's the watching Sky Sports News all day, today of all days, and the date with Phil Collins both feel too protracted and painful oh, to sure. contemplate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at least if death comes via the <laughs> massive jaws of a grizzly bear clamped around my head, it will be better than the other two. No two ways That's about true. it. That's true. Auckland Gooner, who's at Matt 16082013, says, What did we do to Bruno Guimaraes to be trolled in the video he made announcing his joining Newcastle? I hope more than I already did that Newcastle get relegated now. Mm, we did nothing. We did nothing. I mean, did you see the video? Yeah. A bit weird, wasn't it? It was odd, yeah. I guess it's from his social media agency or, or what have you. But it implies that Newcastle beat off competition from Arsenal. I have to say Arsenal never bid for Bruno Guimaraes. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure how true that is. Um, inevitably, he will take the Premier League by storm and be named Footballer of the Year <laughs> based on his second <laughs> half of the season performances. Uh, especially now. And it will go down in folklore that Arsenal were beaten to the signing by Newcastle. I mean, mm. it's an interesting one. He's the first... Is he the first? Well, he's one of that first wave of players moving to Newcastle, isn't he? And he's probably the highest profile, certainly the biggest transfer fee. Um, Trippier has gone as well, who in his own way, you know, I know he's Kieran Trippier, but he's an England international, etc. was playing for Atleti. Um, and, and Dan Byrne. Mm. Who actually, I think, is a very decent player, Dan Byrne. Like, he seems like quite a sensible signing for a team in a relegation. Dan Byrne, is he the gigantic left-back guy? The gigantic left-back guy, exactly. Gigantic yeah. left-back guy. Has he gone uh, to Newcastle? I don't know if it's happened yet, but he is going, yeah, for about 13 million quid. Wow. Um, 
So, I mean, it's interesting just seeing their recruitment strategy and, you know, I guess what you'd say Dan Byrne, Kieran Trippier feel like signings to come into the team and stop them getting relegated. Bruno is a player who, based on what we hear about him, has the potential to kind of be part of the next phase of their project. I think all football fans should just unite in desperately hoping they get relegated, to be honest. And setting this back some way. And hopefully Bruno's got a nice relegation release clause in there of about 5p. We can swoop in and have him then. Yeah. If he's any good. If he's, yeah, I, I doubt it. I mean, we do know the agent quite well, don't we? So We've got some contacts, I believe. <laughs> if we had wanted to do the deal, we were well placed to do it. Let's put it like that. Yes, yes. Um, Edu out is trending now. Lucas Perez is still <laughs> trending. Edu out is now trending. Lucas Perez and Edu out. Barbecue? Is barbecue? Not yet. Where, where in the world will he be that he's barbecuing? Australia? I guess it's Australia far, is... It's not far enough away. We've got very passionate Arsenal fans down under there. They'll they'll seek him out and, you know... True. But it's lovely weather for a barbecue and that's what will have motivated his trip. Yeah. Maybe he's trying to bring Carl Jenkinson back with him um, <laughs> to appease the fans. Uh, it's interesting because Twitter tells me things are trending and sometimes I think it has to be tailored to me because it'll be like trending Arteta and Edu trending pitchforks yeah trending stick- set fire to the stadium yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> trending hashtag stick your barbecue tongs up your hole yeah, that exactly. kind of stuff yeah yeah, yeah yeah that kind of stuff trends quite a lot um so I've got a question that's not about transfers, actually. Wow. Okay, go for it. Uh, Alex, who's lime fairy liquid. I just thought it was interesting. Why is goalkeeper the only position that isn't judged tactically? You have one first choice, one backup. We talk of strengths and weaknesses of keepers, but these are never leveraged. E.g., one is better in the air versus crossing teams. One who's better against dribblers. Why is this? That's a good question, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, is that is the premise true? Like, I, I would argue that, say, centre-backs in most squads aren't really selected tactically. Generally, if you've got a partnership that works, mm. you kind of stick with it. Like, even if you come up against a very quick striker and you happen to have a very quick centre-half, it's quite rare that a manager will actually make that change and destabilise the yeah. unit. Yeah. I- I don't know about this because I think it ultimately boils down to you pick your best players and then you decide what you're going to do with them. Yeah, That's usually the way it works. I mean, the reason why goalkeeper isn't analysed in that way is because normally you've got one goalkeeper who's better than all the others. And even Mm. if one of them is slightly better at one thing than the main guy, the main guy plays, you know? Um, Yeah. I mean, it would be a really weird thing to have okay, today we're playing Stoke, so we're going to play Bob Catchalot, you know? But is that that weird? I mean, I guess what Alex is asking is, is that what you should do? I don't know that you should, because I don't really think... I don't really think that there is such a gap between the respective qualities of the goalkeepers where one guy is so, so, so far ahead of everyone, so far, so far, uh, ahead of everyone else that that he should play in a particular circumstance. 
Like we've seen it happen from time to time where a goalkeeper is subbed on for a penalty shootout. Yeah. That has happened. But in general terms, I don't think it would or should. I think, is it because... I'm not sure football generally works like this. I think the majority of the time people play their best team rather than the individuals that they think might have a specific advantage over Mm. their direct opponent. And I think that, isn't that because of the sort of connectedness of football teams? You know, the fact that it's so much based on teamwork and automatisms that there's a benefit to consistency of selection Mm. and that that overcomes the temptation to tweak or tinker. Yeah. I'm speaking in general terms because some managers really do do that, of course. Um, but it is a, it is an interesting one. Mm. I like the idea of Bob Catchalot. Who does he play for? Any chance of him getting him in before the deadline? FC Hands. FC Hands. FC Hands. They're not yeah. going to want to sell mid-season. No. January is a difficult market. No. Bob Catchalot is integral to their... Uh, yeah, their promotion their, push. Yeah. Their promotion push. Yeah. And so, you know... It's one for the summer. We stick to the summer plan yeah. of pursuing Bob Catchalot. <laughs> yeah. We're monitoring Bob Catchalot. He's a player that, we, that they like, but at this time, they're not going to pursue the deal. I know. And hopefully before the end of this window, we can uh, strike a deal for Steve Scores Plenty. Um, you know, we, yeah. could, we could do with him as well. Well, very difficult mid-season, Andrew. Yeah. You know. Scores plenty. He knows he's going to have a lot of suitors in the summer. and It's like his name is an advertisement for his own services. I mean, it's normative determinism in action. Sure is. I, yeah. Let, let, fingers crossed. They both sound like great signings. Uh, here's one from Ian Wright. Not that one. Uh, at IH Wright, who says, Should one of the most important functions of a club's academy be to try and teach players not to be terrible people, as well as trying to make them into the best footballer possible? Yes, absolutely. And in the limited contact I've had with Per Mertesacker, it's something that he is really focused on. And every conversation I've ever had the pleasure of having with him has been about the players who don't make it Mm. as Premier League footballers, which I think is so important and so integral. And he always speaks about Arsenal wanting to send uh, people out into the world as kind of good well-rounded yeah. citizens. Yeah. And so I, I I feel very optimistic that we have someone in charge of the academy who values that. Yeah. I've always been really, really impressed with, with Per's outlook on that because he knows that he's working with all of these young players and only a very small percentage of them are going to make it as professional footballers. Not simply... Arsenal players, but as professional footballers in general, you know, there's such a an amount of attrition. Um, so his focus on giving them a, a good grounding and an education uh, and a way of seeing the world, not simply through football, I think is is hugely admirable. So, um, have you got and one the other more? thing? I would say just quickly on that is that um, despite that. You know, I, I don't think you can you can blame a club or a culture for a bad egg. You know, the, the, Arsenal will do their best, but there might be anomalies, and unfortunately, mm. there is that. You know, there is that part of human nature. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's individuals, and and yeah, you can't legislate for 
for those kind of people. Um, Final one, because we'll get this out. Charlie Baker, who's at Charlie Baker 217, said, would you rather your hands were always wet or always (laughs) sticky? Wet. Wet, 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 wet. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't even dry my hands. You just sort of let them drip dry. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Like like some kind of handsome model coming out of the sea and standing there waiting for the sun to dry him off. Doesn't need a exactly. towel. Exactly. I like, like my, my hands are like James Bond. Kind mm. of if I go to uh, the loo and I wash my hands afterwards. Every time. And, and believe course. me, I do. Yeah. But I'll just give them a shake, you know, and Why let you the do- elements do what they will. You, you, you just don't approve of Dyson, do you? You're not, I don't you're not, like Jeremy. I never have. I don't want anything to do with him. Now, I, I think, um, yeah, I'm just trying to save the power. You know, it's an environmental choice. Um, let the water be reabsorbed into the atmosphere. I don't know. It's just always felt like a bit of a a waste of time <laughs> to me. Right. But if your hands were always wet, I mean, yeah. your phone would get destroyed. You'd never be able to type anything. That's true. It would be difficult to use electronic equipment. Mm. But sticky, sticky's horrible. Like, what sort of stickiness are you... Like jam or... Yeah. Ooh. I don't mind jam. Oh, okay. Sorry. I thought... uh, For a second, I don't know why my brain went there, but when you went, ooh, I just had a vision of you reading a WhatsApp that had just come in telling you about some exciting transfer news. Wait wait a second, guys. David Ornstein's on the phone. Let me just take this. (laughs) David? David, are you okay? David, why are you crying? David, it's okay. it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay, David. You've done brilliantly in this window. You've reported on loads of interesting stuff. Darren Ramsey's at an airport. I read that one out and he was good. Don't. It's not your fault. Arsenal haven't signed anyone. I'm going to have to go soon, guys, because he's absolutely distraught. Now trending distraught. on Twitter. Edu out. Ornstein out. <laughs> Ornstein out. And I mean, Lucas Perez. And Lucas Perez. It is funny, you know. I know they say don't shoot the messenger, but if you look at David's replies, a lot of it is like, yeah. stop talking about other clubs. Bring us Arsenal news now. As if he is in charge. Why is he not making Arsenal sign somebody? That is the question. Uh, He's lazy, that yeah. man. He's a lazy, lazy man. Shocker. He's having a shocker. <laughs> That's uh, going to get picked up by the aggregators. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Alvaro Morata has decided to stay at Juventus until the end of the season. No Arsenal, no Tottenham, no Barca move on. Uh, So he's staying. I tell you what, I've got uh, Twitter open like you because Mm. even though essentially I know um, this is not happening, uh, I uh, still hold out hope because I'm a football fan and I suffer Mm. from that particular mental illness. And... um, what is actually up on my screen that's been posted to the timeline is a, a video of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang lifting the FA Cup for Arsenal in uh, May. Oh, good times. It was later than May, it was July, wasn't it? July 2020. But they were great times. And, and I do think that um, it's very sad that things have played out the way mm. they have. I mean, he's a player who I think we all really admired. I mean, he just dropped the FA Cup, so he wasn't perfect. But, um, yeah, we really admired and liked. He was quite a likeable bloke um, and a a very good goal scorer. And at that particular time, and 
in slight fairness to the club, when they gave him the new contract, he was absolutely carrying us mm. points. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm not going to say he single-handedly won us the FA Cup, but two goals in the semi and two goals in the final. Huge contribution to that. I it think. is. It is. And like, I, I agree with you, you know, I, I think it's really sad um, that it has ended this way and that it's ended not... I don't think it's necessarily acrimonious between him and the fans in the way that some other departures have been, but that it's clearly some acrimony between him and the club has left us in a position where, you know, it's a bad position for Arsenal to be in. Um, and I know yeah. his I know his star was waning. And I know the Aubameyang of the last 12 months or so is not the Aubameyang of, of the previous couple of seasons where he where he scored a lot. And like I said earlier, I think there were some mitigating factors there, but it is a shame. I, I like him as a player. He seemed like a good guy, seemed to really get the club. But yeah, here we are. Who do we blame? Granite Uh ah, Well, we'd, we'd decide it may, won't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, we will leave it there. Join us tomorrow for a breakdown of all the stuff that's definitely going to happen between the end of this podcast and the end of the transfer window at 11pm tonight. You can join us over breakdown on Breakdown is Arsenal. the right yeah. word. Breakdown, I <laughs> Deliberately chosen. Also, what else? Oh, yeah, we've got Waffle on Wednesday, all the Waffle. usual bits and pieces and... Yeah, yeah. We, we'll we'll try and keep our minds off Arsenal uh, for a little while this week. So, uh, as ever, thank you very much indeed for being here, and we will catch you on the next one. Bye bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. <laughs> 